Welcome to the Theology Podcast. Today, we are talking about what it means to be a human being. Why no one wants to be a human being anymore. We're talking about transhumanism. Anyway, before we get into that, uh, let's just introduce ourselves for the folks out there in podcast land in case this is a first time uh, for somebody listening out there. Anyway, I'm, I'm C.R. Wiley. I'm a pastor. I serve a church in the Pacific Northwest. I've been a professor of philosophy and a real estate investor, and I've done a bunch of other things and written some books, but enough about me. Okay, on to you, Glenn. Glenn Sunshine, uh, retired history professor, senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview, Ministry Associated Reflections Ministries, um, and also an author. All right, Tom. Tom Price. I teach systematic theology, philosophy, Christian ethics, uh, religion in America. That's that's the new one for me. I was mm-hmm. I wasn't a instructor in that course, and it is quite illuminating. So uh, maybe there'll be a show on it at some point. Yeah. I'm currently writing, and uh, and uh, just one of the three heads on this uh, now <laughs> infamous show. <laughs> right, right. Well, anyway, let's talk about. Uh, kind of things that that really deserve to be infamous, and that uh, is the subject of the day, and uh, it's transhumanism. So what I'd like to reflect on a little bit is a uh, an article that came out in First Things. I think it was just on the online ed- edition by a fellow named Wesley J. Smith, and he's a good guy. He uh, is at the Discovery Institute, uh, and uh, he's the chairman of their Center uh, on Human Exceptionalism, and uh, he's written uh, on uh, the subject of transhumanism before, but uh, here uh, in this particular piece, he is responding to or announcing and responding to the publication of a, of a book uh, that's uh, fairly pricey. It's entitled Religious Transhumanism and Its Critics. Uh, let me just read to you the description of the book. It's uh, by uh, Roman and Littlefield, so that's an academic p- uh, publisher, and it's uh, $135. So if you have uh, a little money you'd like to spend on a hardback, uh, and uh, uh, you can do that. It, the ebook ebook is is $50. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> you, 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 you do save some money there. You know, you, you save, it uh, looks like 85 bucks, but still it. Fifty bucks for an ebook—that's pretty much. Uh, that's pretty, you know, big chunk of money to to, <laughs> to, to put out for a, a book. Anyway, but here's the uh, here's the description. Why do representatives of different religious traditions find the transhumanist vision of the future not only theologically compatible, but even inspiring? Transhumanism is a global movement seeking radical human enhancement. The trans in transhumanism marks the transition from the present stage in human evolution into the future, namely post-human existence. Containing chapters written by adherents to uh, to a variety of religious traditions, religious transhumanism and its critics provides firsthand testimony to the value of the transhumanist vision perceived by the religious mind. In addition, the contributors critique both secular and religious transhumanism in light of realistic science and commitment to social justice. Of course, you have to throw that in. But anyway, um, yeah. we could go. Th- we could go through the this table of contents. Uh, it's got 
um, you know, I think some interesting chapters. But I guess I guess the the thing that's worth reflecting on from uh, my my perspective is the, is the fact that this is uh, gaining some momentum, and it's not just the Silicon Valley nutties that we're talking about now. Where the nuttiness apparently is spreading, and um, I know we've talked a little bit about transhumanism in the past. We may have even may have even done a show on it. Uh, and I think yeah. sometimes you get we get bogged down uh, in the you know the question: Is it really something that can be pulled off? Can we do what they're talking about? Uh, and I think that's worth talking about or discussing. But I'm not a physicist. I'm not a, a you know a computer scientist or anything like that. Uh, I'm not even sure that that's the most I guess. Uh, concerning thing to me, uh, whether or not they'll actually, you know, be able to pull it off. Uh, to me, the, the larger concern is the dream that this, uh, you know, presents to just people in different places, uh, sort of just the man on the street and the kind of the expectations that kind of come along with it and the, and the hopes that it can elicit. And what you end up uh, fighting then is just, uh, a kind of a, a utopian vision that may not be something that can be realized, but nevertheless inspires people. It is, is something that competes uh, with the Christian faith for uh, devotion and, uh, you know, you know, you know, in terms of its promise for the future and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, uh, that's just kind of a quick uh, synopsis. We can get into some of the, the detail uh, on, you know, how do we define transhumanism and stuff like that. But do you guys have any uh, kind of initial thoughts on what we're talking about today? Well, I think in, you actually, you know, you, you said that the the issue of whether or not it's feasible is um, not where you want to focus because none of us are really scientists. But I think that it's important to realize that there is a really major worldview assumption that's floating around behind it. Right. And I would argue that that's, that's an important place for us to start. Uh, that worldview assumption is essentially that we're nothing more than, than biological machines. That's exactly and right. as a result, if you can come up with other sorts of biological machines that can interface with ours and vice versa, um, you know, that, that's really what the goal is. But the initial assumption about what it means to be human, the nature of humanity, is, um, is really the one we've got to begin with. Uh, right. Because if that assumption is wrong, the whole program fails. But the very fact that that assumption is there is the problem. Right, right. And I do think as well that when we lose sight of what it means to be human um, and sort of the marvelous upside to human, you know, as being human, um, and we begin to tinker uh, on our bodies the way these people propose uh, we should tinker. Um, just remarkable damage uh, is possible, um, not just for individuals who subject themselves to this kind of, you know, sort of a sort of treatment when it comes to their 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 bodies, but uh, for society in general. Where we're we're already dealing with a, with a whole set of trans things, <laughs> transgender, and I think, or whatever. And I do think, yeah, ahead, I think Tom. I think they're all related. I think yeah. they're related. Um, the whole the whole notion that you can take ne technology and uh, alter or or attempt to alter something that one has been endowed with by you know 
the gift of creation and, and nature um, is already a step in, in that direction. It's, it's trying to um, engineer sort of uh, uh, something to match our, in, you know, interests and will, which is part of the, this uh, vision. But I think one of the things that makes it um, sell itself, if you will, is the way in which it can actually tap into certain things that really come out of uh, real human nature. Um, and, and I think it, it, it's from there that they can almost exploit that and kind of make it sound almost quasi-religious. Yeah. And that is, you know, the sort of the contingency infinitude that we have, this, this aim at our limits. Like in the ancient world, of course, you know, we, we struggled, we suffered, we were at the mercy of the fates. So the dream of being able to manage and control things to help us live, survive, and have a better life. Um, of course, this has, you know, one I think natural aim is to point us towards our creatureliness and our dependence on, on, you know, the transcendent. But I think as materialism took over a transcendental vision, um, I think what you have is that gets replaced with technology and, and sort of human, human uh, intellect and will um, basically Im imposing and directing our evolution and our progress to the point of, like you said, uh, extinguishing humanity as it is in its contingency and aiming to give some kind of, um, some, some kind of, uh, almost eternal state in the, in the, you know, as Glenn said, in, in this kind of human machine and, and transcending it all the while. Um, so almost creating a new, a new, uh, you know, a, a Uber mensch or Uber hobbit, depending on. Your <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's dig into that just a, a briefly here. Um, there are different people that perhaps if, if listeners are familiar with the transhumanist movement may recognize these names, but with uh, one fellow is named uh, Nick Bostrom, who's actually at Oxford. So we're not, again, we're not talking about some guy in his basement who's dreaming up you know, stuff for a science fiction story. Uh, we've got big tech gurus like Ray Kurzweil. Now, you can't take Ray Kurzweil lightly. He actually is a very accomplished, uh, you know, inventor. And uh, he's got a lot of things that uh, he could point to in his life that anyone would be proud of. And then uh, Zoltan uh, Istvan. Have you guys ever heard of that guy? No. He actually ran for president of the United States, I guess, uh, on the transhumanist ticket. <laughs> he, uh, he wrote a piece um, for Huffington, the Huffington Post, uh, and he defines uh, transhumanism, or at least describes it. And I think uh, this was from back in 2016, probably when he was running for president. <laughs> anyway, uh, he says, quote, uh, we must force our evolution in the present day, via our reasoning, inventiveness, and especially our scientific technology. In short, we must embrace transhumanism, the radical field of science that aims to turn humans into, for lack of a better word, gods. Okay, yeah. so this is an ancient vision, uh, but it's been given a new plausibility because of, you know, the uh, remarkable things that we see in the tech world. I mean, uh, the fact that we are in three different locations, Connecticut, Indiana, and Washington, conversing the way we are, 
uh, able to see each other the way we are. This is science fiction stuff. I mean, I, I remember stories that talked about this kind of thing back in the 70s, and we would all just roll our eyes and say it'll never happen. But here it is. So there's there's a sense in which I think um, we have a, a really uh, an unbridled optimism when it comes to what we can pull off through, you know, our scientific and technological uh, approaches to the physical world. And because of that, um, you know, when we think about death, we all uh, would like to put it off another day. <laughs> you know, this longing for, for you know, life and to sustaining our it's lives is, 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 I think, uh, understandable. It's something that we all share. And, and one of the things that has been a, uh, um, you know, part, part of the Christian message is the promise of eternal life um, and the hope of the resurrection. So this is not like utterly alien. Uh, uh, this is something that we can relate to. Uh, what's different is, you know, kind of the means, I suppose, uh, in one respect. Uh, but there's more to it than that. But I think that's an important point because I think a lot of times, especially in the world, uh, the reform world, we like to kind of talk about the fallenness of creation such that our longings are so distorted that we don't have immortal longings. Um, and I, I think it's it wise to listen to no other than the, the significant um, theologian who impacted the Reformation, St. Augustine, who talked about it being the objects of our loves um, that are what does the, you know, are, are what we, we gravitate towards. And I think this is a good case. We're created you know, as, uh, you know, as, you know, Ecclesiastes says, with a, with a longing for eternity. We're created for that. And as Calvin will call it, we have a seed of religion. Um, and and it, it, when it is fallen, it aims for false God. It looks, it looks for, to, to resolve itself in something that isn't the infinite source and giver of life. And so this is one more example of that longing for continuing, whether it's called life or immortality, um, and yet that fallenness that gravitates towards not the true transcendent, but something that is within our capacity, a God we can, we can manufacture through our own endowments and wonderful endowments, but they become a substitute for the, the giver of those endowments. Yeah, and in this case, uh, the idol is us <laughs> or, yeah. or technology, perhaps we could say. Um, now, there is a, a, an interesting twist on all of this that uh, uh, Wesley Smith brings up in his uh, article. There actually is an organization uh, that uh, <laughs> is known as the Christian Transhumanist Association, CTA. Yeah. So I've not checked out the website, but you can do that. It, it's uh, accessible, and it's been around a while. It was, it was established in 2014. And according to their, uh, their, their statement of purpose on their website, and this is from Wesley Smith's uh, piece, he quotes that uh, <clears throat> uh, the Christian Transhumanist Association is actively dedicated to promoting transhumanism as a means of, quote, participating with God in the redemption, reconciliation, and renewal of the world. So this adds wrinkle to our conversation um, what we're dealing with then is, is a group of people who believe that in some real way, uh, apparently 
the problem of, of uh, you know, mortality is going to be overcome through the gifts that God has granted to us uh, to understand and master the physical world. Anyway, uh, what do you, what do we do with that? Well, I think you have going on here a kind of um, a way in which it's easy once eschatology becomes flattened into a holy, this worldly vision that somehow it's through our own energy and action that we are, we are bringing about the kingdom of God. Um, Not that this is also a coming um, and a divine action. Um, and it's sort of the way in which, um, uh, you know, you think of certain liberal Christianity in which kind of the or, or liberation theologies in which which Hegel's God that is manifesting itself through history is realizing itself through the actions of human beings. Right. So God, God in a sense, and justice is realizing itself through the actions of the church, if you will. Um, and so when, when you, you materialize grace like that into the process of history or, the pro- or nature that in that kind of way, it's very easy to look at technology as the significant tool to, to ca- help us carry that out. Um, as we employ this technology, um, we are perfecting things. And we are part of the redemption of all things that was inaugurated with, you know, with Christianity. And now we are um, sort of uh, the exercising dominion. <laughs> um, and, and this is why I think Descartes' vision, because he, he, he kind of, he's a shadow type of Christianity in some ways, right? There is this sense in which we are called in Christ to bring all things into conformity. And the gift of that has been the good side of science, helping to fix some ills, right, um, to, to, to cure some things. Um, but, but when that moves from to a point where we're actually going to be the perfectors of things and the next agent of our glorification, if you will, that we're going to, through technology, bring ourselves into, you know, divine state or something. I think that's when we, we've headed off into misconstruing Christian conceptions, classic cr- Christian and biblical conceptions of eschatology and, and uh, the Spirit's work of consuming all things. So what, we, what we're dealing with here is, is an approach to the problem of uh, senescence and mortality uh, as an engineering problem. You know, <laughs> what we're saying is yeah. that if, if we can just figure out how to make this machine just sort of renew itself and kind of keep going, then uh, we're good. Um, but is that really uh, what we see in the Christian vision? When we think about eternal life, we're not talking about just the continuation of our you know, embodied existence. Uh, we're talking about, in some sense, being immersed in the life of God. Um, and that's pretty qualitatively different. And when we think about the curse um, what we see you know, in that in that story, uh, the expulsion from the garden, is a judgment. But in another sense, you could say, and I and I and I and I think you guys will understand what I'm getting at. It's also a mercy, in the sense that um, we've been made for God and cannot truly enjoy 
what you know good we can enjoy in God without God, obviously. So sustained existence in this sort of sort of state in which we are participating in the life of God in one sense, but not in another. In other words, when we think about our embodied lives, you know, as we experience them today, we live and move and have our being in God. That's true, but it's not the kind of life that we are referring to when we talk about eternal life. That's a different thing qualitatively, and that's much better. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, what we're, what we're holding out in, in the in the Christian gospel to people is not more of the same, but something qualitatively yeah. different. Now, maybe they would say they're talking about something qualitatively different too, because now you've got like superhuman strength and super intelligence and all that kind of. Stuff. But that's yeah. not really what we're talking about when we're talking about the Christian hope. That's true. That's right. Yeah. The the classic phrase for what they're trying to do is immanentize the eschaton. Right. That is to yeah. say they're trying yeah. to bring the eschatological future into the present. And the problem is that they act as if, or they, they seem to be assuming that the fundamental problem we face is physical mortality. Right. In a Christian vision, the fundamental problem we face is sin. Right. And if you become yeah. small g gods as the... Uh, a guy you read suggested, all that means yeah. is that we're going to be ever more capable of doing sin better and better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, Joe. You know, the, 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 the Christian hope is not, yeah. you know, eternally living in this world, in these kinds of bodies, and, you know, even in a perfected version of this body, technologically perfected version of this body. The Christian hope is an end to evil. Right, right. And nothing yeah. in transhumanism even begins to address that fundamental issue. It acts as if our biological life is the only reality. Yeah, that's. That, yeah. I think that's the heart of it, uh, Glenn. I agree with you. Um, yeah. You know, one of the yeah. things I think that we need to be kind of uh, cautious about or at least prepared to deal with is sort of what I would think of as creeping transhumanism. Now, what I'm getting at is... There are certain things that we see going on with, say, prosthetics and bionics and different sort of uh, uh, genetic uh, therapies that have uh, been developed, which we can, uh, in some sense, celebrate. So, you know, we, we, we yeah. do want people who uh, maybe uh, suffer from, you know, paralysis or maybe they've had some uh, very... Uh, you know, uh, catastrophic accident, or maybe they're even victims of, uh, uh, you know, some uh, weapon in, in warfare and they can't walk. And then we have these uh, technologies that we're developing that allow, uh, you know, physicians to provide them with bionic limbs, which allow them to get around and be mobile. That's great. Well, I mean, we can celebrate yeah. that. Uh, and, and that does, uh, tie into sort of brain, uh, you know, sort of advances in brain, uh, uh, our understanding of the brain and its and its chemistry and how it works and that kind of stuff. Because you're going to have to obviously connect into the physical operations of the brain in order for that to work, uh, those things to work. Yeah. So we can we can celebrate all that, but it's this line uh, that I think we we want to. Um, 
acknowledge and even celebrate, if that sounds weird, <laughs> that yeah. we are mortal. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I know that the last enemy to be overcome is death, but I don't think the Apostle Paul is referring to advances in biotechnology. And, and, even, and, 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 yeah. and eternity is a long time. I mean, <laughs> you know, are, yeah. are, we, are we talking about sustaining to, our to the lives? To point at which it actually is, yeah, to the point at which it's actually no time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> at some point. Yeah, right. we're not, we're, yeah, eternity is not <laughs> merely sort of sustaining yourself, <laughs> you know, indefinitely, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting because I, I, I think uh, Charles Rubin wrote a fascinating book um, some time ago called The Eclipse of Humanity or Man, and he was addressing this early on. And one of the things he talks about is the difference between uh, the way he puts it is uh, to, to improve the prospects for human flourishing, which we, I think, uh, the Christian um, contribution to the sciences and the, their interest was – that ver that's very different than the kind of trying to overcome humanity altogether, which I think is really at the heart of um, transhumanism. It may sell itself as sort of this this um, this move from um, human humanism to to a kind of glorified humanity, but it, it isn't. It, it's it's in in many of the the ways it's sold, it's it's looking forward to human extinction, yeah, um, and some something new something new coming about. Um, and, and so it's, uh, it, it has a very, you know, sinister side to it on that end. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's yeah. very different. And then the other thing you mentioned, I mean, there are some things, for example, a leg is a natural endowment of, you know, um, properly functioning human beings in sort of the way, way they are. So if something is wrong in a leg situation and we use technology to allow it to function close to, that endowment, I don't think we're stepping out of, you know, out, out of reach in terms of what potentials we have permission to actualize or, or you know, to, to help actualize. Well, let, let me introduce a wrinkle wrinkle there, Tom. Uh, I, yeah. uh, I was actually uh, uh, approached by one of my elders at my church about a documentary that he saw concerning this very this very matter. And uh, what uh, we're, what we're seeing in the sort of the uh, progress that is occurring with bionics and prosthetics and stuff like that is the prospect that the $6 million man, remember that television show yeah. from the seventies and the, yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe $6 million is uh, pretty modest in terms of the expense. Nowadays. <laughs> maybe it's a $6 billion yeah. man. I don't know. But the idea is that, is that these 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 technologies may become so attractive and so good yeah. that people actually, uh, you know, sort of have their legs cut off and have them replaced with these yeah, devices? Yeah. Now we're in a whole yeah. new kind of a sort of realm, you know. Where I, I remember when I was a kid, you know, you would see the kid who would come to school with the broken leg or the broken arm with the cast. And he got a lot of attention and all the signatures of yeah. his friends on it. And you kind of envied yeah. the kid for having a broken arm or a broken leg. Like, Man, that's so cool. <laughs> I wish I could break your, break yeah. your back. <laughs> that's right. You're, you, but, but we could have that kind of thing happen where, you yeah. know, let's, let's say people are like looking forward to the, to the day when they could have their legs replaced. Now we're into, yeah. I, I guess this is what I'm getting at, tr creeping transhumanism and the prospect. Yeah for that 
Yeah, and I, I think we're seeing the dangers of that. I mean, as you see um, secularization, I'll use that as as a kind of uh, term to describe the you know the kind of pushing out of Christianity from shaping the norms of society on the whole, um, and and you don't have a certain consensus, um, f- you know, ethically, then then you have very little resistance other than pockets of groups of people trying to say no. I mean, we're seeing it with the transgender issue now. Sure. We're seeing it with schools in Connecticut. We're seeing it all over the place where behind parents' backs, students are encouraged to develop their own feelings and and pick their place within a spectrum between male and female um, at the most vulnerable ages, um, usually very young, and then also teenage and, and middle school years when kids are already confused about everything anyway. And right. they're being manipulated and groomed by disgusting. Right. You know, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to go there, but, <laughs> but, um, and, and then you're having them behind parents' backs. And I know people personally where their kids are going off to Planned Parenthood and getting yeah. hormone treatments. Right. Um, and so and then what they're being sold is, is that there is this way in which through these technologies and these this advanced in medicine and hormones and the like, they are actually to match their kind of inner world and 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 their, you know, their desires. We, we've been through this show after show. Sure. The point is, that's just kind of a micro example of what is going on here in a, a gifted endowment of one's human um, sex and gender um, is now being played with because we can play with it. And because of that, we're not altering reality so much as our, our, the appearance of things. And yet we're creating a world in which people are thinking that that appearance that we're creating is somehow the new reality. And this is already mixed with a world that's immersed in virtual reality. Right. Um, right. So we're, we're seeing how thick it gets. Yeah, 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 it's a matter of great concern. And, uh, you know, there are people who are coming out of some of that stuff and are quite angry about how they were sort of led into things. I'm waiting for yeah. the, the class action lawsuits that I think are inevitable, yeah. that maybe are 10 years out, where we have people who are physically completely damaged um, yeah. and cannot function and the way that God made them to function because of all of the intrusive, uh, you know, acts that have been uh, committed uh, to alter their bodies. And I, and I, and I, and I suspect that that is what we'll see too with the, you know, transhumanist project, but getting, getting to the, to the, the vision, what is it that's so compelling that uh, seduces us? Uh, to embrace this this sort of thing, um, and why is it so difficult for public authorities to resist it? Because I think that what you what you see is more or less politicians are kind of going along with things because they know they can't win, even if they have us. Yeah you know, a strong uh, base of support in their local community. They know they're up against the, the mega corporations like Disney Corp and et cetera, who will make them, yeah. who just will never let up, who will just yeah. continually hammer away 
at their public image uh, and kind of cast them as, uh, you know, uh, mindless rubes um, and yeah. shame them into silence. Um, how, how can we re- I resist this? I, I've, I've been struggling with this as I've thought about, about, you know, this whole matter, you know, and there, it, there's so many ways in which just even the transgender shtick s- s- is utterly uh, inco- is sort of incoherent. Yeah. You know, it's, it seems like uh, men make better women than women and women never win any prizes when they pretend to be men. I mean, I, I have not seen a, a, a single woman who wants to be a yeah. man who could pursues the yeah. trans, the transgender um, thing uh, on the other side of the, the scale. Go ahead, Glenn. I, I ran into a website that compared high school boys records to Olympic women's records yeah. in track and field and swimming. Right. And it turns out that in the vast majority of events, women, Olympian women would not enter the finals right. in any of these because a, of, high, of school, a, high, of school high school boys, <laughs> high school boys took the top eight spots. Yeah, I saw I saw a remarkable video. There are, you know, more and more of this, more and more of this has kind of become a, uh, yeah. a, a thing on YouTube. Um, to, in, in, I feel a certain reticence and even distaste for showing a woman up when it comes to physical performance. You know, there, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to, you know, just sort of make uh, anybody look bad. Um, but it's almost like we have to do this now to provide a reality check. And I saw, you know, a, a, a scene where that we just had like a professional male soccer player literally dribbled the ball through the entire national women's United States women's soccer team and just uh kind of score without even trying (laughs) so we're we're talking about like uh elite boys regularly uh trounce the american women's olympic soccer team um yeah what what what, what you're seeing there is the the fir- first before the eclipse of man is the eclipse of women. Right. Um, this is the, this is the the, fir- the first to go. I mean, well, and the eclipse of children, right? The any in the vulnerable category. And so what you you you're seeing is all this insanity of woman of the year being some you know man in a yeah. wig and some hormone treatment. <laughs> and 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 we all we all know. I mean, you know, we, we all know, but but the thing is, this new generation really doesn't. They're, they are really confused about, I mean, they, they want to find a category for this to make sense. And and yet you will see even these young people, they wrestle with, you know, well, I want to be affirming and accepting. But on the other hand, I've tried and worked hard all my life to swim. And all of a sudden, this bloke who has, you know, you know, grown his hair out, you know, is is winning all the awards. And then he'll lose a few to make it seem like it's kind of close to fair. Yeah, that's that's the thing. <laughs> I think he's he's he intentionally threw a few just to kind of make sure, yeah, kind yeah. of get people off his back. You know, there's there's actually some been some studies on uh, dogs in this respect. So we see the same dynamics with other species. In other words, uh, you know, males uh, in the various species uh, are much more physically capable than the females. But what they discovered is that. Uh, Male dogs, in order to have fun with female dogs, will pretend to be weaker than they are. 
will actually pretend to submit uh, just to get the female dogs to play. But when it, when the, when the, you know, when it's really important, <laughs> when things, when the stakes really matter, then the, the male dogs dominate. But up until that point, they're just having fun. They're just playing. They want to, they want to interact with the female dogs. Um, and I think that that, that, you know, what you're getting at with this as a Leah Thomas guy, it's kind of like he's playing a little bit, you know, just to kind of take the pressure off of the, I think, you know, uh, I'm going to lose a couple. I'll make it close just so that you will let me continue to do what I'm doing. <laughs> anyway. Well, uh, one of the things I'd like to get into is uh, the ways in which this um, whole transhumanist uh, project uh, gets into some really unsavory and dangerous things. Um, there's actually a transhumanist bill of rights. I uh, discovered this through the article. I didn't know this was the case. But there are things that uh, transhumanists want to be allowed to do, which I think most people would find at a just gut level distasteful. So let me read to you a statement from the Transhumanist Bill of Rights. Quote, all sentient entities, there's a thought, <laughs> all sentient entities are entitled to repro reproductive freedom, including through such novel means, through novel means such as the creation of mind clones, monoparent children, or benevolent artificial general intelligence. Now, that's the end of the quote. Let's stop. First of all, what is a mind clone? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but let's take a look at this next category. Uh, Mono I, I think I can answer that for you. Okay, please. Um, the transhumanists believe you'll be able to upload your conscience to a computer. Yeah. Got it. yeah so you should it. then be able to download it into, into another body. Mind cloning. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what they're referring yeah. to. Yeah, I, I bet you you're right. I bet you you're right. The second uh, thing that they say that people should have a right to is really, I think, striking. Monoparent children. Now, what, what does that mean? I, I assume that means cloning. I think I assume that means that you 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 reproduce yourself uh, genetically, and by so doing, you have in effect raise a, a, a single parent child. Uh, now, lots of kids grow up with just a mom or a dad. I mean, it, it, there are things that happen; people die, what have you. But to bring somebody into the world. Uh, intentionally uh, without uh, the benefit of a mother or father, I think is crossing a line. Uh, and I think that what, what, what I'm getting at is, is that uh, I think every human being has a right to being able to identify a mother and a father and say, these are, these are the two people. Now you could say that, 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 that child does have a mother and father. It's the mother and father of the monoparent or the, the parent or the so-called yeah. monoparent. But, but what you've done is you've, you've removed them uh, one step. And um, instead of having an ideal that we strive to um, promote, 
mainly, uh, essentially, every child should have a mother and a father, if at all possible. Um, we've instead put the ego needs of some individual ahead of the interests of the child. And I think oh, that's yeah. an offense. Yeah. Now, there are two things to comment there. First of all, and this is something, by the way, that also applies to um, um, same-sex parents who adopt yeah. child, children or get um, surrogates. Right. Um, the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Children say that children have a right to a relationship with their mother and father. Right. So this is in violation to begin with. I mean, even with surrogacy and things like that, it's in violation, period, of the United Nations declaration here. I mean, I'm not a fan of the United Nations, but I'm happy to use them when they're on the right side. Right, right. And this one yeah. is this <laughs> one is even more egregious. Right. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Glenn. And how do we how do we put the genie back in the bottle, I guess? Because we well, all know it, yeah. e egocentric people who have no problem with uh, kind of pursuing their goals at the expense of other people. Yeah, personally, I wouldn't want somebody to be a clone of my genes. I'll just be really clear there. But, but another, another thing that's, that's worth noting is, and this is the one thing that the transhumanists never discuss, who gets to do this? Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. The answer is it's always going to be the uber wealthy. That's right. So let's yeah. make believe yeah. that the transhumanist program yeah. goes forward. What happens? You have two classes of people, the uber wealthy who can get access to all of these technologies and things like that, maybe perpetuate themselves indefinitely through cloning or whatever, especially if you add mind cloning into it. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. Then, that was the, and you've got everybody else who can't afford the technology. Right. Yeah. And then, then you have all the, you know, all the problems of, you know, uh, you know, the nature at which this is a genuine continuation of oneself. I mean, that, um, then the whole, uh, you know, like you said, you have to mix the, the genetic, um, reduplication along with the 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 mind, right? Uh, uh, computing it so that it's the same person because the whole nurturing and environmental differences are going to automatically make it different if you don't do that. And then even if you do do that, will it be different because it's going to confront different things? So um, it, it's it's very bizarre and not thought through very well. And then I, you know, I and I tend to see this also in. A lot of these humanists, not the transhumanists, but a lot of them that have kind of resisted the the kind of woke crowd, but they're kind of with now the conservatives and the Christians just in terms of um, fighting this. Um, you know, you think of uh, Sam Harris or some of these right. guys. Uh, right. What's you know, what's the, the other guy? One of the Weinstein, the biologist. All the you know, kind of friends with Jordan Peterson crowd. Um, well, I, I heard one of them in an interview talk about, you know, well, he didn't believe in eternal life in any sort, but he believed that somehow he passes on and creates a future for. And I, I still see this this kind of general humanism as as kind of the um, the grass in which that transhumanism is fed, that there that that you, you've rid yourself of any kind of transcendent hope. So therefore, you're just going to take a humanistic hope and kind of project it on into, you know, into, you know, however long you can continue doing it. And so they already see eternity almost is a passing back of themselves. Um, and, and rather, you know, and, it, and it's kind of strange because wouldn't you think that the way in which procreation works, it's a better it's a better deal? 
You know, why yeah. pass yourself on the way you do? Why not the the way in which you're endowed to do it by creation? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, it's, it's much more richer, and, and it's not your own face over and over again. <laughs> well, then I think that's what what Glenn is getting at. You know, uh, yeah. You know, so I've got a couple of grandchildren now, and I'm I'm really pleased that they're not exact duplicates of me. <laughs> you know, I look that's at right. them and I see something other than me. I say these are beautiful little <laughs> girls, and I'm really happy mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm I am yeah. connected to them. I'm their grandfather, but at the same time, yeah. uh, it, they're not just you know female versions of me. They're their own person. Me, <laughs> yeah, they're their own persons, and and I can celebrate. In fact, I, that's what I celebrate is the fact that they're not me. I mean, I, that's the that's the yeah. beautiful thing about yeah. it. And Chris, yeah. I'm tempted to say that. That's what we celebrate too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's yeah, right. We're, we're glad that we're glad they're not Chris with long hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all on the same page with that. <laughs> but 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 you know, here here's one of the things that's that you know, there are so many uh, incongruities, so many internal contradictions to all this nonsense. Um you know, one of the things that, you know, to your point, Tom, about these humanists is, is, is actually this may be the coming to Jesus moment for some of these people. You know, yeah, I, I think yeah. that Richard Dawkins, you know, he had that sort of uh, kind of awakening. I mean, he hasn't gone the full, you know, he's not, yeah. he's not gone the full Damascus he's Road. cultural Christianity. That's but, you see, <laughs> but they see that's yeah. his point. He, 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 yeah. He's now identifying himself as a non-believing, yeah. non-practicing Christian. And I think yeah, a lot of these yeah. guys are like that. So, like, yeah. uh, I just noticed yeah. that Philip Pullman, the his dark materials yeah. guy, the atheist, was canceled yeah. here recently. I'm like, this may be his coming to Jesus moment. You know, <laughs> it, yeah. it may yeah. be his 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 the the crisis that forces him to to accept that the humanism that he believes in is impossible without Christianity. Uh, transhumanism yeah. is where humanism yeah. goes without Christianity, in other words, or at least some, yeah. it's some kind of perverse heretical humanism that is utterly yeah. uh, uh, distasteful even to a classical humanist or even an atheistic humanist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, now getting back to this whole idea of uh, sort of taking evolution into our own hands, that is utterly stupid. You know, what, what is, uh, evolution, uh, traditionally understood, or at least historically understood, if not a blind process, right? Yeah. You know, what, what could possibly lead you to believe if you're a, a genuine believer in sort of the, you know, in natural selection as it's been understood and probably, you know, promulgated by people like Darwin and Gould, that you can know enough to predict that what you would do to the human body <laughs> would actually make you yeah. fit for a world that yeah. has not actually been sort of realized yet. You might actually be making well, yourself was, into something that is easy to destroy. Well, it was, it was always, you know, this is something that, that this is, this is why I never got bent out of shape out of the whole Darwin thing, because I really, I was able to penetrate early on the, the fact that they basically have a functioning um, providence going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah. the fact that that, that, it, that chance is basically functioning as as the most 
highest type of formal causality that it knows how to direct itself towards life and being, <laughs> which is which is such a which is so obvious um, that yeah it it out it can outrun human attempts to kind of direct it because it is actually aimed at the unfolding the flourishing of the natures and the kinds that have been endowed with that nature in, in, in particular environments to aim towards being in life. I mean, that's, it's the most obvious. Um, so yeah, I never understood the theology of Darwin because it, it didn't make any sense in relationship to the whole notion of, of survival and, and fitting. Um, but anyway, the point point right there, I mean, th- th- there is going on a certain final causality and formal causality, um, in in the 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 aim towards life and flourishing that um, we don't have the intelligence to outmatch the that's, natural endowment and unfolding of. But that's I, I think I guess that's the point is that um, these folks are make are, the hubris is is causing a remarkably stupid move um, yeah. here. That you know it's one thing to say we want to improve the life of a person who is. Um, maybe uh, been harmed because of some injury or maybe because of some birth defect. It's quite another to say we're going to have humanity uh, plus. That's what transhumanism describes itself as or labels itself as this humanity plus. You you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right. H plus is one of their their terms, isn't it? Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, one of the things that I'm struck by is um, where have we heard you shall be as gods before? Right. Right. That's it. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I mean, we are dealing with something here that is very, very literally demonic. Yeah. I think that uh, when you reject the truth, you, you learn the truth the hard way historically. Yeah. So because... God providentially orders all things. Um, that means that there's no being outside of God's oversight. That means that there is no sort of a sort of uh, door outside of God's sovereign judgment. And uh, these things all, uh, you know, in, a, in, in, in sort of the course of things, uh, vindicate God's justice. There are ways in which this is all going to redound to God's uh, justice in ways that these people can't anticipate. Um, But I guess the thing that's discouraging but encouraging about that is that even though we've had plenty of, uh, you know, uh, people to warn us about the dangers of utopianism, it doesn't seem to prevent us from pursuing, uh, you know, a program of, uh, and monetizing the eschaton. <laughs> we, 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 yeah, we, yeah. We think this time we'll get it right. You know, you, you know maybe yeah. maybe Stalin was a jerk, uh, but yeah. this time we've got it figured out. Anyway, that's yeah. a, 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 there's a, a, there's two sides to that coin. You know, it's on the one hand that's an encouragement in the sense that God's in charge, and another th- other another way is discouraging in the sense can't we learn? Why can't we learn? Uh, and that's I, I remember um, uh, he, he has to do lectures in hiding now at Oxford. Yeah, I'm trying yeah, to, yeah. Nigel Bigger. Right. Um, but I remember him saying something in a, in, in a book he wrote when he, and he said, more blood has been spilt in the name of idealism, both religious and non-religious than anything else. Right. Um, and his point is the, the moment we work towards the perfectibility within our means of the, the, of the creation, apart from 
you know, the apocalyptic, the inbreaking of God, um, is the more we we plant on to the world the most destructive, almost almost antichrist vision, if you will, in the sense that it isn't it, it is attempting to do what God does, not truthfully enacting who we are in relation to the true God and his coming kingdom. And they are very different, but they're so close that it's almost the shadow side of real Christianity. And that's why humanism was so attractive. The Enlightenment was so attractive. And now these kind of these new variations can seem attractive because they carry a shadow of the Christian vision, the longing for immortality, the overcoming of all of the brokenness that sin has done in the world, the longing for this kind of wholeness. Um, yet on the other hand, they want to continue to go back to Babel. They want to, they want to do it with their own resources, whether it's a great reset, a new world order, whatever you want to, whatever aims it has. And then you listen to people, I mean, you listen to someone like Bill Gates, it gets very creepy. These people are creepy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they really are. I'm not trying to be conspiratorial. They're creepy. Yeah. That's right. Their, their vision is, is sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you know, there, there's a wonderful old book um, by, I think it was George Rigel, called The uh, the Cathedral and the Cube. Yes, I remember that one. <laughs> and what, what he does is he compares the Cathedral of Notre Dame to the Arch at La Défense in, in, in Paris, which is this sort of squared off um, uh, uh, archway. You know, and you know, one of the things about the cube, the, the square arch at La Défense, is it's in a, in a lot of ways, it is socialist architecture. Socialist right. architecture is about reducing everything to the lowest common denominator so that there's no elite anything. OK, and he, he talks about the the I forgot the exact phrase he used, but. But the uh, something like the holy irregularity, it wasn't irregularity, but something like that of Notre Dame, where there is nothing that is mm. mathematically perfect. Everything is, um, is well, it, it's irregular. It doesn't really fit. And he says this is really a much more organic, a much more natural, and a much more holy um, approach to art and architecture um, and to life. And the thing about utopian schemes is that inevitably they all try to turn people into cookie cutter molds. Right. Yeah. You know, you don't get that 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 holy irregularity. Right. Everything right. has to be homogenized. Everything has to be leveled out. Everything has to be made the same. So I, yeah, I, yeah as we kind of uh, think about you know how to bring this in to a conclusion or bring to bring this conversation to a conclusion. I think one of the things I'd like to reflect on as we as we do that is what uh, you know is uh, uh, I guess the uh, I guess justification for being concerned about this, uh, particularly for a parent or a pastor uh, who's just trying to work his way or uh, you know through the day. you know, if you've got a mom, what, what, why should she care about this? If we have a father, why should he care about this? Well, the, the reason you should be uh, aware of the, these developments uh, is because um, your children are being um, presented with uh, these prospects and dreams, whether you know it or not. 
and they're comp- and, and these prospects and dreams are competing with what they're being told from the pulpit, what they're being told in Sunday school, what they're being told at the dinner table. They may not, may not even tell you what they're hearing. They may not even be able to call it transhumanism, you know, yeah. to use the language that we've been using to this point. But the dreams that they are being presented uh, with through uh, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and movies and meta and whatever, they're being told that this is, this is what is possible. We can become as gods if we just simply apply the technology uh, to our bodies in the way that the, that the scientists and the engineers think we can. And it creates a set of hopes and, expect, and a set of expectations that we who are, you know, those of us who are uh, trying to present our children with uh, the gospel and tra- the traditional Christian faith are competing. This is what we're competing with. So we need to know about this stuff, whether we want to know about it or not. I think a lot of a lot of a lot of parents, a lot of pastors, uh, you know, will console themselves with saying, well, it'll all come to nothing. Well, yeah, it will all come to nothing. But will it take your kid with it? That's the that's the issue. I don't believe that the that the prospects that we're being presented with have any, uh, you know, uh, viability. I'm not concerned about that so much. I'm concerned about the willingness of people to believe nonsense because it appeals to their hopes, uh, fallen hopes in some, in many cases, but, but their hopes. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. When you take a look at um, the cultures, well, imaginary, um, the, right. the, um, uh, what what are the big movies that come out? They're about superheroes. They're about people who, you know, in some cases, literally are you know they've got enhancements. You know, that's right. how they um, that that's how they're presented. Um, not not just some sort of supernatural endowment, but you know. So so the I I don't know any kid that doesn't want to be Iron Man or Captain America. Right. Right. You know, both of whom are products of technology. Right. Right. So we're, we're, we're actually, in, in a sense, even the stories we're telling are transhumanist stories. That's a great observation, Glenn. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. And, and I, you know, I think I'm going to play a little bit on the whole patristic tradition here when I, I give a kind of response to this. Um, what it is, is almost Satan's lie is not so much you, you shall be as gods. It's almost as if you're, you shall be God, right? Mm. Um, it, it has that kind of nature. Um, what Satan isn't, it is hiding is the fact that Paul will say later, uh, commenting on the psalmist, that are ye not gods? The point right. being here is that, that there is only one God that we will never be. Doesn't matter how much in Christ and unified to that, we will never be the one true God. But as sons and daughters of God in Christ, ye are gods. It's the way the old church talked about it. It's talking about the way in which you are sons and daughters of God through Christ, through union with Christ, to have all of the benefits that he has as the son of God given to you through him so that you are children of God, right? 
And so Satan's lie is that you can accomplish this in any, you can accomplish glorification. That's really what we're talking about here. Being so energized by the life of God that that we're born of God um, as human creatures living from the life of God. Um, So so the lie here and the trade-off is, is that you can get this in some other way than Christ. That you somehow have the capacity to be united to the eternal one and have eternal life apart from Christ. And this is exactly what the gospel calls into question, is that, no, you're not going to be God ever, and you are not in and of yourselves gods, but you are children of God through union with Christ, and you have eternal life in him. Maybe, maybe that's the approach. Maybe that's the apologetic. Do you really want to ca- sort of cash in um, our, our, our hope in Christ for theosis or for glorification um, for this counterfeit? Yeah. This, this is a counterfeit. It won't work. And yeah. you, you, can, you can cash out. You can, you can make the trade, but you're going to regret it. And yeah, you'll forever God, be in your sins. Yeah, yeah, you'll forever be in your yep. sins, but but you, you'll also not be uh, sort of brought into the life of God and enjoy the the benefits of being in God, which are impossible to describe. I mean, Scripture tells us that uh, the most we can say is that we will be like Him because we, we will see Him as He is. We will know Him as, as He even is, as we are yeah. fully known. Um, yeah, that's as far as we can go. Um, Nevertheless, it's much. It's a much more capacious, beautiful vision than the transhumanist vision. And so we're not we're not spoil sports. What we're what we're at, what yeah. we actually are is is people who are trying to trying to convince people to not trade in something better for something worse for a counterfeit. Yeah, yeah. it's sort of the Esau story, where yeah. he's got an incredible birthright and he sells it for some material thing. That's it. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's a good place to, to bring it in for a landing, as we like to say, <laughs> or at least I like to say. <laughs> anyway, we, we really we really appreciate your 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 interest in the theology podcast. Uh, we uh, had some wonderful gifts here recently that came out of nowhere. They came from people, but I mean nowhere in, from our perspective, and we're grateful <laughs> for those. And uh, we're grateful, too, for the people who pray for us and the people who listen to us and people who share the show with other people. And we, and we even like uh, the people who give us five-star ratings. So if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or some other platform and there's some way to rate the show, uh, please do that because uh, everything we've been told and we can see from the evidence is it helps. It helps to get the word out. So we're in 40 countries now. That blows our minds. And uh, oh, wow. we have, yeah, we've, we're around the world. We're, 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 you know, you remember ZZ Top, we're nationwide. We're, 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 we're worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'd, like to, I'd like to just throw in real quick is I know a lot of people do write us uh, and quite often. And I do apologize if I've somehow lost a thread somewhere. Yeah. Um, think things get, get heavy and I got a lot on my plate right now. But I, I do appreciate I think we all do appreciate hearing from you. And and should we should we have the, uh, the, the you know, the, the time in focus, we, we do do aim to get back to you. So thank you for that. It's, it's astonishing to think about that C.S. Lewis spent like a couple hours a day responding to the letters that people wrote to him. 
And well, yeah, uh, I've got to learn something from him. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed that I, I, I don't follow his. <laughs> but anyway, all that said, thank you very much for listening to the Theology Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye. Bye.